from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Learning the value of a dollar. I'm Charles Denny, teaching kids about money, including a bank inside their school. It's part of a University of Tennessee Extension program called Money Bank. That story coming up on Ag Day. Cutting financial ties with China. Hear what one committee in Congress is suggesting and what that could mean for farmers. As markets turn their focus beyond U.S. farmers. And they're kind of sitting on a knife's edge. The situation right now in South America. This morning on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer. What's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Soybeans soaring to start the week, up more than 30 cents before correcting on Tuesday. The market volatility isn't due to trade news. Instead, markets are focused on weather. And we're not talking about weather here at home. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins me. And Michelle, the markets are really zeroing in on weather right now in Brazil. Yeah, that's right, Clinton. Early season crop concerns are growing in Brazil due to the weather. Now, the market is trying to determine just what the crop size is, but at least the trend looks like it's moving lower, with many private firms already cutting production for both corn and soybeans in Brazil. The northern half of Brazil has been hurt by hot, dry conditions and forecasted rains have been disappointing. As a result, last week, Conab cut soybean production over 2 million metric tons to 160 million. Ag meteorologist Eric Snodgrass says the question now is how much damage has been done to soybeans and how much more will that cut yield? Plus, will rain come in time to reverse it? What we do know is that the majority of it was planted late. There are some places that have planted six weeks later than normal. So that's going to shift the entire crop calendar, making the harvest late and the planting of safrina crops late. If the rains don't manifest themselves in the next, let's call it three weeks, I think we're going to actually see some of those numbers peel back even farther and they're kind of sitting on a knife's edge. They could tumble one way or the other pretty quickly. Meanwhile, he says southern Brazil has had too much rain. They've had so much rain in the last 60 days that it's wetter there by more than double than what we were in 2019 when nobody planted a crop here in May. And so the question is, what are they doing down south? Because they need the southern areas to produce in order to get a good crop for the whole country. Late soybean planting is pushing back safrina corn planting. Conab estimates a 4.5% acreage cut with reports purchases of seed and fertilizer for the second crop corn are down 18 to 20%. Conab lowered Brazilian corn production to 118.5 million metric tons last week, well under USDA's 129. I'm Michelle Work reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. A developing story we're following about China with a bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers this week calling for the U.S. to make big changes regarding its financial ties with China, which, if enacted, could have a significant impact on U.S. ag exports. Specifically, the House Select Committee on China is considering revoking China's permanent normal trade relations status, saying the country has, quote, pursued a multi-decade campaign of economic aggression against the U.S. Now, the status was granted to China by the U.S. back in 2000 when it joined the World Trade Organization, giving the country low tariff rates. That's when U.S. ag exports to China only represented 3% of total exports. Now, as of last year, U.S. ag exports to China have reached more than $38 billion in value, making China the largest buyer of U.S. ag products, representing 
15% of the total U.S. ag exports. Now, if the status is revoked, it could result in significantly higher tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars worth of Chinese imports, Farm groups sending a letter to the select committee expressing concerns about potential policy recommendations. It was signed by 16 ag trade groups, including the American Soybean Association, the National Corn Growers Association, the U.S. Dairy Export Council, the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, and Farmers for Free Trade. The group saying by revoking China's PNTR status, Congress would open up U.S. farmers and ranchers to immediate additional retaliation from China. Now keep in mind, these are just recommendations from the committee and do not guarantee immediate congressional action. On another trade front, Mexico continuing to work towards banning imports of U.S. GMO corn starting January 1st. That's the policy of the current administration in Mexico. However, U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says Mexico's presidential election in June of next year could mark a turning point for the dispute. The U.S. is continuing to say there's no scientific reason for Mexico to ban GMO corn. The two candidates for president, uh, the leading candidate is a scientist. My hope and belief is that as a result of a new administration, they will take a look at the science, take a look at the fact that they are reliant uh, on the U.S. for yellow corn and that the relationship with the U.S. is important. Now, Vilsack says he made that point clear when he met with his counterpart at the COP28 conference in Dubai. And the COP28 event wraps up today with fossil fuels and a draft resolution regarding them in the spotlight. The initial draft resolution did not include a clear call for the phase-out of fossil fuels, which several participating countries were pushing for. The draft was widely criticized by countries and climate experts as weak. We're facing the most demanding COP agenda of all time. And what we are seeing right now is everybody working through that agenda. All COPs are challenging, but in this COP, we're trying to do something that has never been done before, something historic. We are trying to agree a comprehensive plan to close the gaps between where the world is and where it needs to be to keep 1.5 degrees within reach. That is our North Star. That has been all our North Star all along. Part of this is to include language on fossil fuels in the text. If we can, that would be historic. Now, the United Arab Emirates, which is hosting the event, has encountered pressure from OPEC members like Saudi Arabia who oppose any targeting of fossil fuels in the final text. While much of the country is experiencing quiet weather, there are places that are seeing a whole lot of snow. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has the latest. Yeah, when we talk about the snow on the map, it's not a big, broad system bringing in inches snowfall across a large portion. It's a lot of snow over a small portion. And if we're talking skiing type conditions, uh, this is what you want to see. So this is a, kind of a cutoff low that's hanging out and bringing nearly feet of snowfall into portions of uh, New Mexico, Colorado, uh, not necessarily into Texas and Oklahoma, but there is going to be some accumulating snowfall kind of sneaking in there as we advance through the weekend. But that's really the only game in town. And besides uh, back up into Vancouver and even into Seattle, they got very quiet weather in and across the United States. Go ahead, take a look at your screen. And yes, harvest is still going in some places. Robert Reese of Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, burning the midnight oil, it looks like, when it comes to corn harvest. So still a ways to go for some folks. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. 
The outbreak of avian influenza continues to spread, the latest finding in Ohio affecting millions of birds. USDA confirming the outbreak in what it calls a mega flock in Hardin County. 2.6 million birds have been depopulated following the discovery of HPAI in a commercial table egg layer operation. Now, since the fall, some 8 million egg layers have been depopulated across the country. Additional cases were also reported in California, Wisconsin, South Dakota, and again in Ohio. All told, 13.4 million birds have been impacted by high path avian flu since October. Well, the export sales announcements continue, but the market seems focused on other things. We'll dig in to the very latest next in markets now. And later, reading, writing, and arithmetic are all core competencies in the classroom. But in real life, there's learning to manage money. We'll see a program bringing both together in Tennessee today in the country. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator closing wheels today. It was a real mixed day for commodities overall, even as wheat futures find strength. Michelle Rook has more with Arlen Suderman in Markets Now. Three markets on Tuesday closing mixed. Arlen Suderman with Stonex joining us in Arlen. Uh, kind of a complete reversal of what we saw in Monday's session in the green close, but with some of that profit taking and some technical jockeying or what? Yeah, the technical jockeying is probably a good way to put it. Uh, at, you know, we start off with Monday and what we saw Monday was soybeans uh, really pushing strongly higher, wheat screaming lower. The algos were really trading that momentum to the downside, really probably overdid it. And, and the reason they started selling the wheat was because we kind of got out of the market for China. China pulled back let the prices come back to them. Uh, market started down and the algos really took it down then and, and, and punished that market, overdid it to the downside. Uh, then this morning when we were unable to take out the yesterday's lows, the buyers started coming back in. That's when the end users start stepping back in, a little bit of export shopping perhaps, even domestic. Then you have the, the speculators, the algos coming back in to take it the other way. I think the key note of interest in wheat is yesterday's lows held, but so did the highs for the most part, especially in Chicago and Kansas City. So we're establishing a trading range in here. The key is how we put in the bottoms, and that, that's what to be determined. Of course, corn's just following in soybeans, kind of establishing their own trading range till we know more about South American weather. Yeah, I was going to say, we're still in a weather market, though, in, in the soybeans, aren't we? Yeah, very much so. Not enough damage to sustain a rally right now, but at the same time, there's enough concern to support the market. The other factor was soybean oil fell following crude oil. So that was another factor on Tuesday in beans, wasn't it? Sharp losses of crude oil, the new five-month lows, certainly weighing on soy oil, another factor adding weight to the soy complex. All right. And just quickly, a third day up in cattle is the bottom end. I don't know if we can say that yet. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, but uh, that we're looking for a steady cash market this week, so that would help support the board. A pleasure as always, Arlen Suderman with StoneX, and that is Markets Now. Ag Day is brought to you by the Advanced Acre RX program from Winfield United. 
To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre RX helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com AARX. For using meteorological terms, this is what's called the winter flamethrower. You've got temperatures well above average, at least the likelihood above average temperatures extending through two thirds of the United States as we go through the middle of December, just shy of Christmas, the 17th through the 21st, with the highest chance or probability of above average temperatures back up into the Dakotas. And then as you get closer to the southeast, about average, if not slightly below average, back into my Miami as well as into Florida. So look at the precipitation estimate and uh, that uh, snowfall that we saw earlier is going to stick right around where this cutoff low is located as it drifts to the east. It's not going to draw in cold air around there. Everything's going to come down as rain back into Dallas and Oklahoma. You know, going through the next couple of days again. This is through Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, maybe a weak clipper system bringing some light snow, maybe some rain into locations in Wisconsin, but also uh, the UP uh, Upper Peninsula. When we get into the December 17th to the 21st, and kind of the same time period before Christmas, you look at the precipitation outlook. So it's one of those. Uh, are we going to have a white Christmas? Well, there's just not a lot of moisture out there and we need an inch of snowfall on the ground for it to officially be a white Christmas. Right now, things are lining up for that not to happen for a good portion of the nation through about the 21st. Things can and the chances are they will change whether or not we can get that kind of moisture in here. Now, hard to really say there's that cutoff low that's bringing us that snowfall, especially in the higher elevations. You know, where uh, ski season is trying to get underway. You got that cutoff low drifting off to the east, but not supplying much in the way of coverage of rain. Let's start off in Lawrence, Kansas. We got some morning clouds and also some evening sunshine. Well, Lawrence, Massachusetts, mostly sunny. Do you know what's next? Lawrenceville, Illinois, sunny. Yeah, I high around 49 degrees, low of 25. Well, it seems Mexico enjoyed U.S. pork in October. We have the latest export numbers next. And later, students in Tennessee are getting a financial education and learning to handle money at an early age. We stop by class today in the country. October was a good month for pork exports, especially to Mexico. The U.S. Meat Export Federation releasing new export numbers. It says for the month of October, pork exports totaled more than 245,000 metric tons. That's up 3% year over year and the largest since June. Exports were valued at more than $688 million, which is down 2% from a year ago. We had a very good month, about 245,000 tons exported on pork globally. It's up about 3% off of a very big number last year, led by Mexico, about 101,000 metric tons, which is growth of almost 20%. But it's not limited to only Mexico. Central America is up about 35% in the Caribbean as well. So those three regions have been strong for most of the year, and that continues. For the first 10 months of 2023, pork exports increased 9% from a year ago to 2.3 million metric tons, with value up 6% to more than $6 billion. Pork prices in China hit their lowest point in nearly 20 months, and experts say it's contributing to the country's ongoing issues with deflation. 
Farm Journal Washington analyst Jim Wiesmeyer reporting consumer prices for pork experienced their sharpest decline in November in three years. It's attributed in part to an abundant supply of pork and lower consumer demand. Now, pork holds a significant portion in China's consumer price index due to its popularity among people in China. The decline comes even as Beijing announces its intention to purchase pork for strategic reserves. It marks the third round of such purchases this year. Now, it's a good time of year to learn lessons about giving. It's also a good time to learn about money management. We'll see how students in Tennessee are getting some early financial assistance in the country. And time is ticking to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. We'll announce winners just before Christmas right here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday. On U.S. Farm Report, they'll win a Farmall Seed Pedal Tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. A real bank with money changing hands inside an elementary school. It's a clever way to teach students about saving and spending. And as Charles Denny reports in University of Tennessee Extension, gives kids the opportunity to learn about finance in a program called Money Bank. This fourth grade class at Lynchburg Elementary could share a collective nickname, Money Bags. Here they get little blue sacks to fill with cash, and then take them here. The bank is open inside their school. Braden Purdom makes a deposit into his own real savings account. It's important to save money because then you can save that money till you're an adult and you can buy a house, a car. Yeah. I would like to spend my money on food and clothes and things that are necessary so you, like to help you live. With lessons on spending, saving, and giving, these students are part of the Money Bank program taught by UT Extension in Moore County and a Lynchburg Bank. At their school bank, kids can also play games where they earn more cash. They also see how money saved is money growing with interest. And that way kids will have the opportunity to deposit money in their bank account and for it to grow so they'll have their own bank book so they can see their deposits each month. A local credit union is donating the money to help fund this program and offering their experts to help teach the kids. Bankers know these are their future customers. We were interested in finding some way to create a generation of savers. That was kind of how this started. And we've been looking at ways for financial literacy. We've been a part of different projects here at the school. With a society where we use cash less and less, it's important for children to learn the real value of a dollar. UT Extension experts say it's a great early life lesson, what money can do for you and its importance. Children are socialized directly and indirectly when it comes to money values, money habits, money attitudes. A lot of that socialization happens in the home where they grow up, but schools can play a really important role. That's what's happening here, a school bank doing some brisk business. So for these kids, get your cash together and talk to a teller. 
Maybe the best kind of educational success story, one with dollar signs. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks Charles, and I'd like to give a shout out this morning to Mr. Rogers' seventh grade agricultural class at Clemens High School in Athens, Alabama. Now they watch the Ag Day Minute that airs across the country every morning at the beginning of class. We wanna thank them for watching and for being great students of Ag. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Davis. Have a great day.